0: February the 1st, 2022 Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said The calendar flips, but the action rolls on here on That's What G Said This episode, we are going to talk our deep dive of the Book of Boba Fett, episode 5 We do recap a little bit of episode 4 with Matt Velasco But we get into the deep dive Spoiler alert on everything happening there but first, we're gonna catch up with Eric, we're gonna recap the conference championship games in the NFL We'll talk about the two teams that are set for the Super Bowl So we spent about a half an hour talking NFL with Eric And then we get the deep dive of the Book of Boba Fett episode 5 Because we only have two episodes left in this limited series With the Book of Boba Fett episodes 6 and 7 still to come So... I was going to squeeze in some extra racing, but honestly, we did a lot of racing last week. And coming up this week, we'll have Sam Houston Thursday, Friday Sam Houston, Saturday Sam Houston, Santa Anita Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're going to jump into stakes races at... Uh, over the weekend, Craig Milkowski is going to join me to talk Gulfstream Park. They've got a big card on hand for the Holy Bull. I think we're going to dip into a couple stakes at Tampa, a couple stakes at Aqueduct. So we're going to be all over the place this weekend. Got to take a day or two off sometimes with the the gambling, the no, the horse racing. Um, looking at all the different tracks and everything. Someday you just sometimes you just need to take a a day or two. I said not force it. So this episode NFL book of Boba Fett. But if you are playing in some of the races this week, I would encourage you all to get the Stable Duel. Check out some of those contests that they have on Wednesday, Charlestown, Mahoning Valley. There's a free game at Penn National on Thursday. Gulfstream and Sam Houston will have some Sam Houston analysis for you Friday, Gulfstream, San Anita, Tampa, and Sam Houston. Don't forget about this weekend in Stable Duel. Friday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. We'll get you all prepped for weekend contest for Stable Duel for Friday and for Saturday, like this weekend's Holiest Bull Contest. 75 bucks to enter, 15000 in prizes. There's a $50 game at San Anita. There's a $5 game at Sam Houston with $2,000 in prizes. And then you've got... Sunday, a Gulfstream double up, you've got Gulfstream uh, for 40 bucks. you can play, a $30 game at Santa Anita, and a Sam Houston, uh, no, that was uh, from last week on Sunday for Sam Houston, so that's coming up this week all the way through Sunday, and for me, a lot of the focus on the weekend ends up being Gulfstream, Tampa, Santa Anita, Sam Houston for those stable dual games, so get those entries in and play race win. Remember, folks, this episode is presented by BetterThan.Vegas. Give them a follow at BTVBets. Free gambling content for you. Free analysis, previews of games, recaps, comedy shows... Just expanding and expanding and expanding. And as NFL winds down, there's going to be a lot more horse racing on Better Than Vegas. If you're a fan of harness racing, every Monday and every Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, we preview the early pick five for Woodbine Mohawk. We go through that sequence. There's a $100,000 guarantee in the pool. You can play for 20 cents, and we uh, we stack up. Our tickets, and we talk about how we looked at the uh, the first five races. So come hang out with us. They're better than Dot Vegas. We'll have lots of content for the Super Bowl coming up in the next few weeks. Everything free at BTV. Let's jump on into some. NFL. Let's talk about what happened. We know it's the Bengals versus the Rams in the Super Bowl. Eric joins us to discuss. This isn't going to be our uh, preview for the Super Bowl yet. This is more a recap and just kind of an early look. We'll have a lot of Super Bowl content and a couple different guests to join us next week to talk props and uh, all sorts of different things. But for now, let's recap what happened this weekend. Another couple very close, exciting games. Super Bowl is set, we are recording this on Monday night Coming off of the conference championship football games on Sunday So we know what the matchup is Eric joins us, wanted to just get a little uh, quick discussion on some of the games last night And as we lead in, we'll uh, maybe have a couple uh, discussions over the next couple weeks But we'll definitely do our normal game deep dive of the Super Bowl We'll do all the props, we'll talk about uh, what the line looks like next week But this week Let's recap these games, Eric So we know the field is now set for the Super Bowl And uh, let's start with the first game that we saw on Sunday Man, thanks for uh, coming in with us again early this week just to discuss So we had, what looked like it was going to be a blowout I mean, honestly, at one point it. I think a lot of us who were probably watching were thinking, okay, the Bengals had a nice little run right now But kansas city feels like they're in a different Class level and there were One or two plays when kansas city Was up uh the play uh, Towards the end of the half when they couldn't kick when they Didn't get the field goal a, a reed wasted A timeout in a weird situation Earlier in the half those come And bite them and somehow They leave the door open for the Bengals to come All the way back
1: yeah It was a weird game i mean a couple Things stood out um uh for the first half, Casey was averaging an insane 9.3 yards per play. I mean, they were just going up and down that field. Bengals had no answer. And, I mean, I get it. You have Patrick Mahomes, but you have five seconds left. Like, this is like you throw a jump out to Kelsey. If it's, not, if it's not there, you just throw it outside the end zone. You can't throw it to um, Tyreek Hill where there's two guys out on the wing to him. That just made absolutely zero sense to me right there, what you're trying to do. Um Bengals, you know, I I will give him credit. You know, they they stuck to the run game, mixing at 21 carries, and uh, toward the end of the game, that really affected the front line of the Chiefs. They weren't able to get to uh, to Burrow, and those guys looked a little bit tired. So I'll give I'll give Taylor credit. You know, he stuck to the run game. He didn't panic. Um, I watched. I'm lucky enough where I'm able to get uh, coaches film, so I can see like the whole field as opposed to the um, just the normal like you know what I mean, just like the normal TV shot. Um, middle of the field was open a lot I mean Harbin was right for to him to be bitching on the sideline he was open a lot going across the middle wasn't getting any looks um second half uh Bengals dropped eight 45 percent of the time and the Chiefs only averaged 2.7 yards I mean Mahomes was running all over the place missing guys Kelsey was dropping stuff
0: Oh, we were joking sorry. about it. we were joking about if Mahomes was a uh, was a toss in the game or not because he oh, really was here's the th- he was here's looking the that bad. At that points.
1: video, that video I was telling you about, TikTok's it's been, been
0: down. It's been taken down. So Is it's so, something so, weird like, happened. There was rumors out there about uh, so, Mahomes' dad owing money for gambling. So There's always h- Chapo and El hilarious, hilarious. Uh, and bro- the, their family. It's crazy how this guy. And it's not even him right Mahomes Cause he hasn't really done anything That's like a dick or he hasn't been Mean he hasn't done it he's not a criminal Or anything yeah. and, and it's not as if He is people don't even really Dislike him but you're starting to get The sense that people kind of are rooting against Them now because of the family yeah. Because of the brother exactly. and, and the wife And, and like exactly. all the Baggage that comes with him which is a kind of a bad Spot to be in if you're Mahomes cause he's a pretty Likeable dude like what what wouldn't you like about the guy? He's incredible. He's he's been a winner. He's always there. He's got a you know he's got a good look and everything. It's just hilarious. It's just his,
1: bro- his brother and his wife, you know, That's are just hilarious. Are just pieces of work. Um, I think it is a and when people compare Burrow to Brady, I look at it like it's kind of an insult on Burrow. Um, this guy is light years ahead of where Brady was at this time. You know what I mean? Like. This guy has been trophy winner.
0: Absolutely. Um, he's got, he's got way more I mean, pedigree, it's, it's, way more pedigree.
1: And huge insult to like say he's a young Tom Brady, Tom Brady. And I mean, I get it. I get what people see, but it's kind of like insulting to what he already is right now. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I mean, he loved. Long, it. He'd love yeah. to end up being Tom Brady when it's all said and done winning-wise, but where they are at their, this point early on in their career, it's not, it's not close. I mean, Joe yeah. is always supposed to be this guy. He was supposed to be a franchise guy Tom Brady was not
1: Yeah and um, you know I'll give them credit They're ahead of schedule but you know You know me I always kind of like to look ahead um, Their window is going to be Shutting because they have Mixon, Chase And Burrow who are all going to be coming up within In free agency all uh, relatively At the same time so they're going think- to probably Lose Mixon but yeah I mean For them to be here ahead of the curve Defense is playing lights out um, You know it's gr- great to see um, you know, I'm happy for Beho. Hopefully my lions will get there one day. Uh, they do need to do a better job of getting to the quarterback,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and defending the middle of the field. The middle of the field was wide open and that's where Cubs going to live. They have to make sure they're able to shut down that middle of the field. Uh, Kansas city really didn't try to run on them as much as I thought as they should have. Uh, the, uh, the Rams will run a little bit more, so I could be a little bit more stout against the run, but, um, you know, for them to get here is just yeah, remarkable I think they run the ball too much on first downs I think they get a little bit too predictable they did that last round. night yep um but I will say this those 21 body shots that Mixon hit those added up toward the end of the game and allowed Mixon to get some crucial runs
2: mm-hmm. uh
1: I didn't understand why the Holmes kept on running out of bounds in the um when they're driving down for that field goal I know it's like you want you know what I mean like there was some bad like time management stuff in And
0: that was always uh, an Andy Reid thing Too right that's always been an Andy Reid Thing before he won There were how many times with the Eagles where you Would always kind of just expect one or two mistakes From him in key moments that that was What was kind of crazy about this weekend Eric I think if you were making a list Of the Best coaches in the league right if you Were ranking the coaches I'd Say of the four guys that were Around this weekend people don't really think very highly of Zach Taylor, but I will I will say he's gonna have to start getting more and more credit because he has his team here. The other three guys, they're probably on anyone's top ten list. If you were making lists of the best coaches in the league, they all had really bad games. Even McVeigh, even McVay in winning was really had the challenges, the decision making. He was kind of ner it was like he was anxious and like he was just like uh, Making like the moment was almost getting too big for him Shanahan was doing the same stuff It was like I sent you the You know, everybody remembers that fourth and two But I I sent you there were multiple times Where Shanahan didn't trust them at all Didn't take a chance with the running game Didn't take a chance to put the ball in Debo or Kittle's hands And that might just mean that he really didn't trust Jimmy G that much They, They punted three times from midfield or closer the most such punts in any game under Kyle Shanahan. The only team in the three postseasons to have three such punts in a game. So, uh,
1: um, real quick though, back to the Bengals. Yeah, no, game. we're going back
0: and forth. Go uh, ahead, it's fine. It's fine. Know,
1: at, if I were to tell you, hey, uh, McKinnon averaged five point four a carry, Edwards-Alaire averaged six a carry, you would have thought the Chiefs would have won. You know what I mean? Like it was, and McKinnon only had twelve carries, Edwards-Alaire only have six. I mean, people want to drag. Uh, Jimmy G through the through the gut the gut whatever the term is through the dirt right now. Um Shanahan through the dirt. They aren't doing it for Mahomes and Reed. I mean these guys should be dragged through the dirt, if All, not more than Shanahan and Garoppolo.
0: everybody was bad this weekend. Everybody was I mean, bad it this was, weekend.
1: You know it was it was just, see, it was bad. I mean
0: this they, is what what ends up happening is like um you can you only have to beat who's in front of you. Right. Yeah. And so some years you're going to have to play games like the Chiefs and the Bills played last week. That was that's like the We've had six the last six playoff games have all been decided by one score. They've all been really competitive, really entertaining. But of those six playoff games, I'd say one of them was a very highly level played game.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I can you can kind of like in every game kind of nickpick stuff.
0: Most and very few this teams game, this played weekend, well all, me, the, all the way all the way around, you know?
1: Yeah. This, t- this weekend, for sure. I mean, you can nitpick up and down. Bengals, too conservative, mm-hmm. too predictable. Um, they switched up their defense, you know, give credit where credit is due. Started throwing on first downs, but I think that was more because they're down.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: P. Ryan made a real bad mistake. He went the wrong way on a screenplay once. Uh, just kind of little things like that. Um, I do think Burrow kind of locks in on Chase and looks at Chase a little bit too much. Yeah. When I was re-watching the, uh, the tape, there was two plays where Boyd could have literally walked, walked in for a touchdown. There was no one, no one by him at all. Um, So that's something to kind of watch if, you know, Jalen Ramsey is shadowing. But I don't know if Ramsey is going to, if they're going to shadow. It was an interesting game. Uh, I will tell you this. I am going to bet the Chiefs under for next year, for sure. I mean, this team has made it to the AFC Conference Championship. Four games in a row, four years in a row now. Um, Yeah. I'm just going to bet the under And maybe I spark a little bit And they don't make the playoffs They eventually <laughs> need to You know what I mean Eventually all that football is going gonna...
0: it to It's like an extra season yeah. That you end up yeah. playing It just weighs on yeah. you Over and over and over Like you said They become less ver, um, they're They're less versatile now Because of having to pay Mahomes. Someone like Mahomes That much money You know this is what happens When you have to pay someone That much money You can't make the moves That you want to You're not quite as um, You know, flexible in, in what you can do So it makes it harder to build your teams And you look around in the AFC, like we were saying And we're going to get over to the NFC in the other game in a second But, I mean, we've got the Bengals right now That are going to be in the AFC champ- That are the AFC champion that are in the Super Bowl We, you know, the Chiefs are with Mahomes you know you're going to play against them next year We talked about we'll look into it but they're, At the very least they're the, a team that you Throw in the conversation always when Mahomes There you've got Josh Allen You've got Herbert with the Chargers This year you know I think Everybody's just completely forgetting about teams like The Ravens and the Browns but those two teams Just had a ton of injuries this year had a ton of bad luck There's they're not those teams are not Far off from bouncing right back And being very competitive again That's all on the AFC side I mean you look around the AFC and that, that doesn't even mention the Patriots Who, you know, you expect to kind of continue to progress a little bit With the rookie quarterback in the next few years He'll only get a little better And on the NFC, I think when we get there in a second it's There are going to be a lot more questions to ask about some of the top-tier teams It's going to be difficult in the AFC, man Any Anytime you're in the playoffs in the next few years Look at those quarterbacks who you're going to be facing
1: Yeah, I mean, I do think there's one team that does have a little bit of value. And I actually did lock them in for a Super Bowl future. I did my first Super Bowl future. Um, I really think Rogers either stays in Green Bay or he goes to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's sitting about 45 to one. Um, and then- get Rogers there, live arm, that defense. Uh, Bengals in for a letdown season. Ravens a complete train wreck with everything going on there. And, you know, you get the coach and the quarterback fighting in Cleveland. So and didn't his
0: guy go anymore. to uh Denver too, right? Rodgers, his yeah, other uh, I mean, hack. I mean who yeah, knows if he those are just possibilities. So the whole point there is just if he goes to either of those two teams, all of a sudden they're better. A lot well, better. The
1: Broncos are 17 to 1 to win it all right now. Yeah. So I mean, it's already it's,
0: it's, already, it's already built already in. Like, it's
1: already yeah, they're
0: not worth the a end. play, but just from a, like a if he gets there, look at how hard the NFC the AFC is even, you know, n- another I mean, Team that Denver's Not that far off dude they got some great Playmakers on offense they have a really Good group of wide receivers there
1: Yeah I'm just I, I thought they just made a bad hire To be honest with you. I think that hire Just says hey I can get Rodgers Here because mm-hmm. what you know because you look At him guy was the OC at the Bills basically did Nothing OC at the Jags basically Did nothing comes on as the OC as the Packers where LaFleur calls all the plays you know what I Mean he's not really Doing anything you know he's doing something But he's not really like in charge of the Offense so to speak so Yeah I just I don't know I think they could have Gone in a in a different direction and You know if um Rogers doesn't go there this is a Cluster at higher
0: Pretty evenly um, matched when you look back at The box score but It it flipped quite a bit I mean the The Bengals They made a few adjustments but more than anything It just kind of felt like Kansas City was a little bit incompetent. They were a little bit sloppy. They were, I don't know, it was a. it felt like a combination of things for them. Maybe they were a little bit tired from last week. Like maybe it started catching up with them because they just weren't sharp. The play calling was a little bit just, you know, I don't, it wasn't one particular thing. It just felt like a lot of these little things started to build up for them. That that's what has to happen when you spit out a big lead like that. When you're up big, yeah. it's not usually one thing. It's it's a lot of little things that all end up happening. And Cincinnati. It wasn't as if they played fantastic. They just kind of just kept to the course, you know? They kept
1: hanging in there. And I mean, yeah. it's kind of like, um, you know, I hate to quote Shane Falco, but it's kind of like quicksand. Like, it is. Um, so what happened with they the Chiefs, right? They, they didn't get that score. They started panicking, started, start you know, throws were a little off, started pressing a little bit more. Kelsey dropping balls, abandoning the run game. Um, Mahomes holding the ball for too long. It was, yeah, it was you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, I, I should have took, I I'm not going to lie. I took the, um, when I saw the percentage splits, I took the chiefs minus the seven. I like from my, talking to my buddy who runs a shop out in Jersey and looking at the online stuff, it just seemed like everyone and their aunt was on the bangles. So I was like, you know, the house needs the chiefs. So I'll take the chiefs. I think it's a good matchup. And, you know, I'm kicking myself for not, uh, Taking them live when I think they got up to eight to one. I should have hedged out and took a little eight to one, but I didn't. Live
0: When I mean, if they if they score, if they kick a field goal at the end of the half, the Bengals don't come back. You just the game, yeah. it, and I know this like narrativey thing, but if you're the Bengals at that point, you didn't have anything really to get excited about. They, this they, you were getting beat up, and that was the first thing that happened that gave you a little bit of momentum. Give you like a, like a good feel going into the half, yeah. and then you you could go into halftime like, okay, feel pretty good. It could, could have been a lot worse. You know what? Like, one or two things go our way, boom, we're right back. And that's exactly what happened. And then,
1: uh, and I mean, the game if they kick the field goal there, it's 24 10. KC gets the ball back, they have a little momentum, boom, 31 10. You know what I mean? Like, we can replay that all, all the way, you know, read, you know, listen to my homes, my homes effed up, you know. It's, it's, it's just is what it is. You know, Bengals took advantage. You know, like I said, I'm happy for them, have it for you and your future. And, you know.
0: Thank you, we'll sir. You as too. we yeah. jump on over to the NFC. And in the NFC Championship, it was the Rams against the 49ers. These teams played for the third time this year. And it was the first time in seven games that the Rams were able to get the better of the 49ers here. One of the games where throughout this game, so first off, if you bet the 49ers, you covered. The Rams were like a three and a half Or if you were like Eric and you jumped on this game Way early, like a four and a half point Underdog right when they opened up in, in some places And it, it just, it felt like another 49ers type game The way that this game was flowing Eric early, the Rams kept Hurting themselves They would they threw an interception in the red zone They what, missed a field goal They just Mistakes, They the Rams really weren't Having any problems moving the ball at all and the 49ers were kind of struggling to move the like the Rams were dominating in a lot of the box score and then all of a sudden you look up and it's like what it's 17 to 7 going into the fourth quarter and the Rams are down by 10 it felt it it like you wouldn't have known by looking at any any stats but the score that the Rams would be down by 10 points but that's kind of what the 49ers do to you that's what they've been doing to you a lot in it's because they have a good defense, it's because they can run, it's because they can get a little bit creative with you know some play calling here and there. And, but it just comes down to when they needed Jimmy G to make some plays or when they needed you know to make some plays. Like, I'm not putting it all on him, but they just don't have the, the ceiling that some other teams might have with a quarterback that can take some chances or a quarterback that you can actually put the ball in their hands a little more.
1: I mean, Shanahan showed this, though. It was the same thing in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. um to to close the second half against the Chiefs. Yep. Didn't didn't use any timeouts, didn't try to make let Chief Garoppolo make anything. It's like he just doesn't trust them at all with how good your boys were doing in the interior and disrupting the run. Um I really think that they should have gone to a little bit more early down uh passing. Actually looked to pass the ball more cuz I mean, you take away I'm not even going to count that last play because that last play is such a fluke play with everything going on. Um you know, Garoppolo, I thought he played a decent game. I thought he played a game that was good enough to win. Um, you know, he threw that ball to Kittle. Um, that should have been a touchdown. Uh, you know, he, he, he made some good throws. Like, there's nothing wrong with the way he played. Um, I just don't think Shanahan trusts him enough. Uh, I think Shanahan gets too cute. I don't understand for the life of me why you have Trent Williams in the backfield and put him in motion. That makes zero sense to me. I don't understand while you're taking arguably the best left tackle in the game, putting him in the backfield, putting him in motion so he can get a running start to bang somebody when that's not what he does at all. He just just let him be on the line, especially when he has his ankle. He's got a high ankle sprain. He's not even 100%. So that, I don't know. He just got too cute. You know, you and I texted back and forth uh, that fourth and two play. I thought that was a little uh, gutless. I hate to use that word, but I thought it was a little gutless. Uh, I think like with Devo, Kittle, and the way you check the Rams' defense is in the middle. Why why are you having Kittle or Jennings, who's been great, who's
0: been awesome on third down, awesome? Do
1: something, do something in the middle. I just. I mean, even a guy like
0: Usechek is really good. When you need two yards, you can't get a a screen there or so. They have so many weapons and so many options, or line up and run the ball to try to pick up two yards. I mean, honest, honestly, in it just says so much about how you feel about your certain guys on your roster or or your team when you won't do that.
1: He doesn't take a timeout before the two minute warning. He wasted 45 seconds. Just does. You know what I mean? Like the whole thing, what he was doing, you know, just just didn't make sense. Like, you like, you really have to question Shanahan. And the fact of the matter is now he's had a 28 to three point lead in the Super Bowl against the uh, Patriots blew it. He had a 10-point lead with 15 minutes of football left to go to the Super Bowl, and he blew it. So, I mean, he's starting to get a little bit of a thing around him where he can't Mm -hmm. close these great games. Um, You made a McVay comment earlier. I really feel out of all the coaches, I felt Taylor was the calmest. Um, 100%,
0: right? This weekend, of all of those guys, we would have said, oh, yeah, Taylor's the weakest of these four coaches, no doubt about it. And he actually coached the best game of any of them.
1: I thought he did a great job. I thought McVay coached and did the stuff with the timeouts and the challenges. Like, if he wasn't going to win the game, they are going to take it, him out back and shoot him. It I was, mean, like, I scared.
0: Thought, it was, like, yeah,
1: a... He was, he was coaching. He was, like, full-court pressing to win to win it. And, you know, it's I didn't like... He can't do that in the Super Bowl. And I no, and this, maybe like, it was life. something...
0: He, he's not usually that bad. McVay like he gets I, I've I've been on him for a while now for a couple Years because his play calling Too is really conservative he's one of the bottom Five in the league at like going for It in fourth and short situations and just Kicking when he shouldn't kick But it, I think it was Maybe the whole 49ers Shanahan thing you know Maybe like what I can't Believe it or like I wonder if he started Feeling like Are you kidding me this team's gonna beat us again For the seventh time in a row and like we're playing well And things aren't bouncing our way and then he starts The challenges and he's doing just Goofy stuff maybe he'll relax A little bit now you know not Facing the 49ers team and maybe kind of You got that monkey off your back a little bit there You've been back to the you've been to the Super Bowl before you He was he coached A poor game when they were in the Super Bowl last time Oh I
1: told you about that like The um,
0: Belichick stuff you know
1: Yeah my buddy went my buddy like with what he does, he goes to the Super Bowl all the time. He said the only time he's ever seen a coach out was Sean McVay the night before the Super Bowl at a steakhouse. He saw McVay and his like girlfriend, or I don't know if they were married then. And like, you got to use, like we talked about this the other time with like assistants, like interviewing, you got to use every single spare moment. You can go have a steak dinner with your wife, girlfriend the next day or that the night up to celebrate. But like, You can't be wasting time. This is the biggest game of your life. You got to be there. You got to, and you're placing Belichick. You can't be going out to dinner. Um, This game though, I really feel that it's in this playoffs. You know, he's kind of gotten back to his identity. Uh, The first game, they had 40 rushing attempts against the Cardinals, against the Buccaneers. They had 30. And even though they didn't really run the ball that well against the 49ers, they kept with it and they have 29. So I really feel like if they stay committed to the run, This is, I I, honestly, I like, I like the Rams. Like, I don't think that, I think Cincinnati has been a good story, but you look at um, the front four of the Rams. I think they're going to be able to get home uh, on Burrow without blitzing. Burrow is great blitzing. When he faces the blitz, I think they're going to be able to get home. I think they're going to be able to, if they stay committed to the run, I think they're going to be able to, uh, to move the chains. And the Rams have a um, top, uh, top 10, uh, on defense, according to DVOA, you look anytime that they've played a defense this good. And it's only been two times. Um, so it's been three times. but I'm not going to count the last game because Burrow wasn't even playing in that game against the Browns. Um, but they played the Browns of the 49ers and they lost both of those games. So I think this is going to be I, I think the Rams are going to get it done. Um, I locked it in. I put a little bit down at four just because I saw in a couple of the shops it started drifting up to four and a half. So I did that, and I also um, also put in a, an under at the. Uh, I think I got fifty. I either got forty nine or fifty. I put a little bit there because I think that's been trickle down. I wanted to get over twenty four for the first half under, but I haven't found any twenty four and a half in the market yet. So hopefully, they get one of those.
0: Eric, man, eh, we've been so lucky to have you all year long, each and every week. What the hell are you going to do this week with no uh, no football to to prepare for and to watch?
1: Well, um, I get to paint my cable cord covers. Okay. i mount, mount, mount the TV in one of the rooms. Um, do a little stuff in the house. Like I moved into this house, and it was like right before football season. And like I everything's taking a backseat. <laughs> I literally haven't done anything. Um, I'm dating this girl. Um, you know, bless her heart. She's. I've told her I'd hang out with her all three days, and she's ecstatic. So she'd be uh, like, "Who yeah. the
0: hell is this guy?" Oh
1: yeah. and it was kind of crazy. Like um when was it Sunday morning? Uh we did fourth and inches a little later. Like I'm looking around, I'm like, dude, you have like an hour of free time. Like I, I forgot like how nice this was not to have like to have an hour of free time when I didn't have to I be know. doing something. So uh we, but yeah, I mean I but honestly though the senior bowl this weekend, uh you know how much I love the draft, so mm-hmm. I'm kinda of
0: already working ahead. That already yeah, working you got, ahead. You
1: got college basketball coming up, yeah. so you know, I'm grinding that. So I'm always I'm always grinding, you know. This But is, it will it will be life.
0: nice for some of these next few weeks because we, football's awesome. Like I love football the most. we all do like all right. when it, the gambling, the option, the opportunities and stuff, but it is nice towards the end. It's a grind, man. It is a grind. It's a long lot of work, lot of rewatches, a lot of time and effort, a lot of watching numbers, a lot of waiting for certain things and when it's done it's it's nice to have a little break for a while because then you oh. get hung you get hungry and you get excited for it to return again you know
1: yeah you definitely like get a little bit of that hunger but you know i'm gonna, it's gonna be weird this sunday you know at 10 a.m chicago time not talking to you uh, i know you bho and kyle it's gonna be first time in 20,
0: 20 plus gonna, weeks
1: <laughs> that it's gonna that be we- uh gonna be a little weird you know i'm gonna miss you guys when we have to I, do like a group group I was
0: gonna say, we'll, or something. we'll do a little uh, a little zoom or something like that <laughs> just to be like have you guys all okay everybody's doing okay right just wanted to check in on everyone so uh again man it's been a blast and we'll uh we'll have uh, a lot to talk about next week when it comes to the super bowl we might and we'll, we'll talk in the next few days we might link up and talk some fantasy later in this week or or even next week early in the week one of these two and we'll kind of recap and talk a little bit about uh some of the stuff that happened uh, this year, and, and some things that are still fresh in our mind, before we get too far away, because then what ends up happening in a couple months, you have to end up going back and doing all the work again. You want to at least, you know, take some notes and jot some things down right now while it's still fresh in our mind. Yeah. So
1: yeah, you got to start working for next year. Always got to be ahead of the curve.
0: Eric, buddy, uh, we will, uh, chat again for sure this weekend with, uh, with cutting nets on Saturday morning. And if I don't, I mean, I'll, I'll talk with you back and forth, but if we don't, uh, record until next week, thanks again and, uh, kick back and enjoy, uh, enjoy a, a few, deal, a few less days, uh, worth of work this weekend.
1: Will do my man. You have a okay. good one
0: too. Thank you so much, buddy. Make sure to give Eric a follow, uh, check out all of his content, podcasts, all the great stuff that Eric has going on and, uh, do not go anywhere folks. Still plenty more on this episode of that's what she said. So you want to set the mood, you're looking for something all natural, soy wax, non-toxic, baby. Sets for every season, now don't be afraid, baby, just spell it out, C-E-R-A-C-E-N-O-L-S dot com. And don't forget, promo code GINO gets you 10% off, mmm. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile you can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse. And you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version and even on the classic past performances you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers, you get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph, you can rotate your phone for the best view, and. Any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines, you can easily move from horse to horse The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances You get an interactive format which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering And right now, DRF Daily Racing Form has an incredible promotion. Now they're going to give you the opportunity to get those Formulator past performances for free when you sign up for DRF bets and when you're wagering yourself. So you start with uh, get the DRF bets, use the promo code winning. They're going to give you a ten dollar free bet. If you deposit two hundred and fifty, they're going to match your two hundred and fifty. So you'll have five hundred and ten bucks. Then They're going to give you 10 free Formulator cards Yeah, right off the bat Then after that, every 50 bucks that you bet You get another credit for a Formulator card If you're betting the races, you are going to get Formulator right now with DRF Bets Sign up, check it out DRF Bets We we're going to get into our conversation with Matt Velasco, our deep dive of The Book of Boba Fett, Episode 5. Before we do, we have to remind you about the longtime sponsor of That's What G Said podcast, Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, Cindy Carava, Check out her website, cindycarrava.com. She can help you out with buying, with selling with leasing. She can connect you to lenders if you need help getting pre-approved for a loan. She can put you in touch with the right type of vendors if you want to improve your home. Landscapers, gardeners, painters, people uh, like that. The ones that she's had experience and used in a lot of her own homes. Cindy is one of the kindest, most genuine people you'll ever meet. She is going to make your life so easy, folks. Uh, you're not going to be stressed out about all those things on the checklist that you're not exactly sure what to do. She's going to take care of that for you. She's going to be honest with you, and she's not going to waste your time. Heck, if you need a hel- a help just kind of finding out how much your home is worth, she'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. dot Cindy com. Now it's time, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, for our deep dive of The Book of Boba Fett, Episode 5. We do spend the first 15 minutes kind of recapping what happened in Episode 4. Um uh, didn't catch up with Matt last week, but I did discuss Episode 4. So we, uh, we got some of Matt's thoughts on Episode 4, and then we jump in to Episode 5, The Return of the Mandalorian. Okay, Matt Velasco is back with, back with us this week to talk some, I guess, uh... Book of Boba Fett, we'll kind of talk a little bit about the Mandalorian as we get into episode five But we're going to give some thoughts on episode four uh, We didn't get a chance to catch up last week We won't really deep dive it quite as much We'll just give some overall thoughts on fourth and then we'll get into uh, episode five right now So Matt, when we last spoke after leaving episode three We were kind of in a weird place You know, we didn't really love the third episode quite as right. much um, We just saw the Tuskens get brutally murdered we 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 didn't really know what was going on in the show And honestly we, I think you joked about how many meetings there were In episode 3 yeah. <laughs> like Meeting, 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 all these different meetings And episode 4 took, took a really long look at How Boba and Fennec came together So we spent a lot of time with the two of them Basically picking up from Events that happened in season 1 of The Mandalorian
3: Yeah, I mean that's kind of you know, in a nutshell, it was a solid episode. It was, um, you know, you, you build a little bit more of a relationship between uh, Boba and Fennec. Uh, you get a sense of his sort of relationship to Jabba's palace, and and the everything that is motivating his mission at the start of the show. We start to get a fuller picture of that. But you kind of said it right. I mean, it's this episode is mostly i'll give some exceptions i think but mostly filling in the gaps between or leading up to the events of the mandalorian how boba met fennec how Mm -hmm. he didn't get his armor until season two of the mandalorian uh how he gets his ship back um which again i thought it was an, an engaging and interesting episode but we are now, and I'm jumping ahead here. We're now five episodes through the book of Boba Fett, and we we don't have a really solid grip on this quote-unquote underworld of Tatooine. No, I mean, no. We we've, we've kind of been pulled and and I. It's hard for me to think back to episode four now without thinking of thinking episode about five.
0: five. Right, I know it is. Um, yeah,
3: but I left. You know, episode four. There were those very clear clues or very clear invocations in the in the music. Uh, of a return of the Mandalorian, and even before Episode Five, part of me was like, "What? Why?" Like, I, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it, <laughs> is, um. It, and these are two different conversations, right? Because we can, and we're gonna get into it to talk while we talk about Episode Five. But it's what we just watched in Episode Five. I, I loved it. Was a great like episode. I thought it was great. But is it's a weird choice to place like a full standalone Mandalorian episode in the middle of this Boba Fett series where we said, we still don't feel like a lot of things have been all that fleshed out. And now we're going to jump back with just two episodes left.
3: Right. And I mean, I've I've thought a lot about this because I did, um, you know, essentially my kind of relationship to the series now is after episode two, it's a, a really mixed bag for me I mean it's not that I haven't enjoyed it It's just that I'm fundamentally Not sure what I'm watching Like I know I'm watching Scenes in the Star Wars universe But I really have no idea Why the story is Well what the story is and why it's being told Right um, and there's still Two episodes left but, but you're right I, I um uh, The best way to think About it and I've, I've mu- after much Reflection Gino The best way to think about it is that this is a six episode season and they decided and I have some theories why perhaps they decided to give us a Mando episode in the fifth slot. That this was maybe always going to be six episodes and for for whatever reason they decided to give us a Mando episode because and we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. Which is fine. Episode five has just the slightest connection to this series but in terms of its focus, story, and themes, etc., cetera, it is in every way, shape, or form a Mando season three premiere to me. 100%. Uh, it so... picks up
0: exactly where he would have left off at the end of season two, yeah. last we saw him, post Grogu. And it's almost all Mandalorian. Like I, You and I joked um, when you texted me after. I was like, for a minute, I was like, Did they screw up and like put the wrong episode in here? I was (laughs) honestly thinking that I was like, no, they didn't like they didn't make a mistake or anything. I I was wondering, did somebody like, hey, look, this is accidentally the Mandalorian season three, episode one or something, because they weren't meant there was nothing about anything about Boba or the series until the end when Fennec shows up.
3: Yeah, when he's mentioned when he's mentioned, right, he is (laughs) name dropped. Um it was almost jarring. I, I just rewatched the episode, right? I mean, you you're in this Mando episode, and when it goes to credits and you hear the Boba theme song, you know, kind the of theme music, it's like, oh yeah, like you you there's just nothing about the vibe of this episode um, that is congruent with the previous four episodes. And and I, if you have if you want I if you want to push back on that, I'm all ears because no, I just don't nothing. See
0: The connection
3: in the way that in the first couple episodes, we would talk about, okay, there's these flashbacks between the past and present, but there's actually these thematic resonances, right? Stranger Mm -hmm. in a strange land. He's learning the, the crime, uh, families of, of, of Tatooine while his past self is learning about the, the Tuscan tribes of Tatooine. There was this interesting symmetry they were building. And here, um, it, it is. It is so deep into Mandalorian business that uh, it's it's pretty shocking. It is. Um, it is. So. It's,
0: it was a, such an interesting choice, and may like like you said, maybe we'll feel a lot different about it. I, it's not even that I feel like negative about it. I don't know how yeah. to feel about it. Honestly, no, I
3: I've that, tried uh, to find so so one way. <laughs> this is so I'm I'm a college professor, and so I you know. I evaluate students' work. I read papers, whatever. It feels like someone turned in an assignment that was awesome, but didn't respond to the essay prompt. <laughs> like exactly. I want, I just want to say, like, this is excellent work, but it's not what I, the what story the, is. we asked for. And it's not what I asked for. But you know, I, I, this is this weird period in Star Wars fandom where it's gonna seem like I'm complaining. I mean, I am criticizing it. I loved I loved episode five.
0: Oh, it was so great. <laughs> I loved it was... episode
3: five. <laughs> um, but it, it, it kind of showed... I, I don't love what it might suggest about Star Wars moving forward. And that is the, the kind of marvelification of Star Wars, where everything depends on everything else and different units of storytelling are filling in gaps of larger units and so on um I mean maybe I'm naive like but you you have to have seen the Mandalorian to understand this episode or to really care about the first 25 minutes but I mean we all have seen the Mandalorian so maybe I'm foolish to think that these stories the book of Boba Fett you know the book of Bo-Katan or whatever they do next like that they do need to exist isolated because the fact is that the viewers are not like, the viewers are by and large i imagine
0: consuming it all it's just a fascinating choice and we'll see what was the reason maybe we won't maybe it's it was just like an ad or like you said they were going to do a six episode series and they said you know what we can just basically put a lot of stuff that we were going to do into an episode of the mandalorian that'll be able to bring him cuz they could have had it, they could have had Mando, literally the last one minute of this episode And how she found Mandalor. Mando yeah. He literally just could have been there Like getting his ship worked on We didn't have to see any of the other stuff It could have been like him just getting a new ship Fennec shows up and says Hey Mando, you want to come? Boom And oh, like yeah. that yeah. that could have been it right there
3: I, I thought that the opening scene And we'll talk about it Where he's on this really kind of interesting Space station planet that essentially that she had tra- she would have tracked him down there. Um, in fact, <laughs> when we get into episode five, the deep dive, like how does she even know he's going to be on Tatooine? Like it, it actually doesn't, the, the way they bring him in doesn't actually make too much sense. It never needed to be, he was always going to be the guest star this week, but you're right. I mean, it could have been in the cold open, essentially, could have been how Fennec meets up with, Mando and then we're on to the the meat of the story and and that's my fear Gino is that there is no meat of the story
0: <laughs> there you know no, you're right we it's, have two episodes a, left uh, it's a bunch of toys right you're kind of you were uh, kind of hitting on it it's like new toys yeah. new characters here we want to show you this we want to show you that but there hasn't been all that much coming together of it like at least with with the Mandalorian and with his story like you know his purpose, right? You know yeah. the things he wants. He needs. To, he feels now like he's sort of been kind of ousted from the Mandalorians, and he's very concerned. and And you know, he wants to check in with with Grogu. Like we kind of right. we know what he wants, right? <laughs> and I mean,
3: this this newer episode, episode five, really reminded us of, of what he wants, and in reminding the audience of his attachment to Grogu, also reminds us of what we loved about that show and. And makes that the contrast with, um, with the book of Boba Fett all the more stark. I mean, I I saw on on Facebook, uh, heard on some podcasts. Um, you know, I don't know. I am sure if you took a straw poll of fans, this was their favorite episode of the book of Boba Fett. Yeah, and that's that's a problem for the book of Boba
0: Fett. It is. No, a hundred percent is. And. Yeah. In... Yeah, we'll deep we'll we'll deep dive it. One or two things I I wanted to hit on um from four before we we move completely on to five. So we did get a I mean, like episode four was trying to show us a lot of cool stuff. I mean, we got to look at all these different droids. We got to look inside the palace of Jabba's palace. All these different rooms, looking basically like a from like a drone cam yeah. that we didn't see. Um, we we saw Boba. Getting his ship back, which is the the type of ship is the fire spray, and we did get and, to see yeah. him unload on the raiders. That was a moment of the badass Boba, where he just comes up behind him and just blasts away this group of fifteen, twenty of these uh, of the raiders.
3: Yeah, that was a a moment, and and I I kind of you know I took some notes like I, I like I said, solid episode. I have some critiques, but the. The moment when he guns down the Nikto gang was pretty powerful, and not not only because okay, this is the Boba Fett we want to see this this kind of brutal hunter, but it's pretty dark. I mean, it's very much in the kind of not quite Anakin. It's not the men, women, and the children too, um, but we're going to learn. The show has indicated it. It gave us clues in this episode. It gave us uh, clues in the in episode three. That it's not the Nikto game. It wasn't him, them. Right? Yeah, <laughs> so, it's the Pikes. <laughs> um, uh, but no, I I thought that was one of the more kind of powerful moments, and and um, you know, of of not just kind of action, but also anguish on 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 Boba's part. Right? He's a man of few words, but you kind of feel his mm-hmm. is his anger and, and pain in 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 that scene. Um,
0: and then um, we see him returning to the Sarlacc. And we get this real like sort of Jaws kind of vibe, and he's he's in the he's in this ship, and he's facing straight down. He's looking in, and then the Sarlacc kind of latches onto them. And he he does have a couple moments of comedy with Fennec. There's even a like a throw to a uh, or like a a reminder of some Grogu. In uh, in Mandalorian stuff, where he tells him not to touch, or he tells her not to touch the, the buttons. And um, so, what did you think about the return of the Sarlacc? There, uh, we we just
3: can't quit the Sarlacc, right? I know we keep going. <laughs> I just don't here. know how to quit you. Um, it, I guess you know this is part of my my issue with the filling in the gaps, which it, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? If they don't address, you know, his mission, his search for his armor is such a central motivating factor kind of uh, motivating force in the Mandalorian that they almost can't ignore it here right it's you know why aren't you wondering where your armor is so they do it makes sense why they have to address it but from the standpoint of the audience we know the armor is not in the, we know it's not there <laughs> so you know the kind of level of suspense it, it really does become I mean I think about it more as is right it was kind of a comedic uh, scene, um, very much, uh, you know, in the vein of the, the, the playing with toys, uh, mm-hmm. motif, which, yeah. which we'll talk more about definitely in, in episode five. Um, I, I and, think the java's palace kind of offered, like in, in terms of playing with toys, like we were in a kind of getting to know an environment we hadn't seen mm-hmm. much of before, um I was fine leaving the Sarlacc. I mean, I thought the Sarlacc was dead. I guess they also thought the the Sarlacc was dead and that's part of the comedy, but yeah.
0: The episode uh, 4 finishes up with this kind of Game of Thrones feel with like all the families sitting together in Jabba's palace, some of the different leaders and they are all kind of they're kind of plotting. They're they're you know, Boba's kind of discussing how they need to find backup. And so we're getting this, you know, the way they've got him set up too. He's got him all right down on top of the rancor pit.
3: That was so, a nice that a little... that paid off. I I laughed at the the rancor bit there. There's um, <laughs> so it's a lot of uh, a a lot of twists and turns to to make an excellent you know rancor joke when they. I mean, essentially they're like, why should we follow you? And the the rancor rattles the floor uh, cage. Uh, that was
0: nice um, and, and the families just sort of agree that They don't want to get involved And they don't want to lose They don't want to Jeopardize any of their You know, bodies They don't want to jeopardize any of their people But they will stay out of it They won't get involved either way And Boba says that he will um, He'll take care of the Pikes Who are now plotting And and they want to take over And that's when, you know, we, we basically end the episode hearing the Mandalorian little flute because uh, they they discuss that they need backup. Boba seems like he's pretty loaded, though. He's got plenty of credits, plenty of money. So Fennec knows uh, where they can go find that backup, and that is the Mandalorian.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting to think about this, right? That Bob Bob Boba remains effect pretty ineffective, Daimyo. I mean, he's the at best gotten these crime families to to tentatively agree to be neutral, right? Uh, and and so the solution here is, well, let's go get the <laughs> the star of the other show. And we could talk all about that. We're going to talk a lot about that, right? But what if, again, what if this show was about him building a coalition on Tatooine? What if we were actually kind of seeing him grow as a leader? We're seeing very little growth. We're seeing, essentially, families tolerate him, right, out of self-interest. Um, it's a pretty cynical, I mean, it, it's kind of a pretty cynical view of, of his power in a way. Um, and I would have much preferred an episode or a series of episodes after episode two, really, that looked at or fleshed out the world that he is now a part of and how he earns the trust of these crime lords rather than their um, kind of forced acceptance. Again, the ends will justify the means. Like, let's see what story they're telling. But um, I can't help but think there's a more interesting story to tell on the streets of Mos Espa than the one they've been telling us.
0: And uh, we will tell the story of episode five, the return of the Mandalorian. And we've kind of already set up a little bit, but honestly, it's a, a full episode that picks right back up with what has been going on with Mando since the end of uh, of season 2 And we'll, I'm sure we'll hit on everything as we get in through our deep dive But there are some vis- incredibly visual, um, like impressive sights here And one in particular, one uh, camera shot that was really great But let's just jump right into our episode 5 deep dive of uh, of episode five of the book of Boba Fett, which doesn't really feel like the book of Boba Fett. It definitely yeah. feels like I, the, I'm the Mandalorian. Still, I'm
3: still in disbelief. Like I I I almost couldn't let myself fully enjoy the episode because I had to pause and tell my partner. I'm like, you won't believe what's happening. They they just dropped
0: the season three I, premiere of Mandalorian. So I woke up. My girlfriend was like. I think you woke me up last night just to tell me about this, like, late, because I'm usually watching it right away, right, when they drop, like, super yeah, late, yeah. so, like, I like it's, you know, I, it was one of those things where as I'm getting ready to go to sleep, I'm just making a bunch more noise, and she kind of, like, wakes up, and I'm like, oh, now that you're awake, did you know that they and the, the Mandalorian was all there, she's like, oh, you know, I'm i'm half asleep thanks you know i appreciate that right now but I was so just... yeah my
3: my wife like she's seen all mandalorian because for my birthday we did a marathon of season one and two this was two birthdays ago um same nice. pandemic different birthday.
0: nice oh yeah and
3: um so she's she knows dinjarin she knows grogu and so i paused the episode i was like you won't believe what i'm watching right now i can't believe it and she's like i thought i heard i thought i heard i thought i heard i don't know if she said pedro pascal or whoever right but um yeah i mean it doesn't i i really thought you know we got this we will jump into it right we get this kind of cold open you know should i bring you in hot should i bring you in cold uh real cool kind of bounty huts uh bounty hunting scene in a meat factory and i thought okay we're gonna get this seat like Here's our little taste of the Mandalorian. And then we'll be pulled back into the book. of Bubba Exactly. Bet, but it just never. It, I mean, it happened in the 50, you know, in the 48th minute or whatever it was. So
0: It felt like I completely agree. OK, we're going to get a scene or two and then Fennec will be here with him. Yeah. Right. She'll run into him on this. I mean, I don't think it was. It, it, it did have a name. This ring like city that he was on, I... which was incredible. in I... Like a. A visual. Yeah. I mean, you get all these feels of like um, Elysium or Interstellar. Just yeah. the, like the look of this, this like unbelievable. And <laughs> you said we're in this clatoonian meat packing plant. That's where we open. Yeah. And M- Mando appears from behind these plastic curtains, and he walks over to a table where uh, he finds Kaba Baez, who's a Clatonian who he is he's after. And Kaba Baez says, "You look lost." And the, he's Mandalorian says I'm here for Cabo Baez and He says uh he owes someone money Cabo Baez is trying to pretend like it's not Him but you can tell It's him because he's got this like very noticeable Like <laughs> <laughs> Features on his face and It's
3: not me it's not It's <laughs>
0: like yeah he says it doesn't look anything Like me I don't know who I, I just, You know he, he kind of jokes and Mando, Mando is Outnumbered no doubt This looks like a you know, the, the back of this meat packing plant Where there's some shady stuff going on There's a bunch of money out on the table here As he tells everybody I'm going to give the rest of you The opportunity to walk out the door I have no quarrel with you And uh, Cababaez, he's puffing his chest out though Because he's got his back up right here They're not going anywhere, it looks to me like you're surrounded But let's discuss our options And that's when we get that Mando I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold And I- <laughs> That was uh what, episode one, right? This like a, right. A, the throwback to the first the first yeah, uh we picked up with him.
3: That's where we are. It's so interesting. Like we're having throwbacks to the episode one of the Mandalorian, like Star Wars, Disney era Star Wars is now referencing itself.
0: I mean, it's, it's been it's, doing it's that like for a while. The, it's it's on the oldies, right? I was like Disney Mandalorian season one is on the oldies station. That's how right. old we are now, right? <laughs> I, I have
3: this, you know, this silhouette of Mando when he appeared. For a split second, I thought it was a flashback. For a split second I thought okay, we're back to wet to pre-grogu Mando. But then you immediately see you know, his Beskar armor, uh the the staff and then soon enough the dark And it was kind of an interesting, it's not what I expected for season 3 Mando, right? Or I guess this isn't what season 3 Mando's going to be. But I didn't expect him to go back to the game necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. You're kind of left. We left him on that uh, Star Destroyer bridge or whatever ship that was uh, with Bo Katan, and mm-hmm. I would have just guessed season three would open with him and and Bo Katan's crew. But um, kind of an interesting, interesting choice. Um, yeah, that he's just told. here with.
0: And like you said, the dark saber. We, yeah. you know, I, you was curious how that all went down. She didn't try or. And she just sort of let him go with it Something that she had been searching for As yeah. um, the Clutonians attack Mando He pulls out the Darksaber And we could tell right away when he pulls it out The weight of this thing Yeah, He's having a hard time controlling it He can't really wield this thing at all um, But he does slice through a couple of them I mean, even without controlling it, is All he has to do is just kind of Pierce someone with it and it's going to slice right Through them in fact he Actually burns himself During this fight he kind of Gashes his own leg with it but he Ends up by I mean Probably taking out this group of Five or six all by himself and he cuts Right through Cababayas Just slices him in half It Was a
3: br- I mean it was a Brutal opening sequence. Does anything <laughs> really? match the violence of this opening sequence in *Book of Boba Fett*?
0: I mean, no. I mean, this is <laughs> this was like a horror movie scene mm. within the meat packing plant.
3: Yeah. Like and, no, I and it, it also. I mean, we've talked about this, right? The kind of relatively polite culture of the, the Tatooine underworld, and you know, I why were it, why have they been they seemingly been holding back? in in the kind of violence that Boba Fett exercises. But that's clearly not a kind of Disneyfic- Disneyfication of the show. It's, you know, it makes some of the choice, interestingly enough, I think the choices in this episode, and this is one example of them, make make me more confused about why the book of Boba Fett seems so uh, cautious around the criminal underworld. I mean, we have more atmosphere in this meat factory Than in most of the Tatooine scenes. Hot take.
0: Completely agree. (laughs) Completely agree. It it was a different feel right off the bat, right off the bat with this episode. And so Mando walks out of that room, and there are a group of 10 or so of of these Clutonians who had been working in the meat packing plant. They are all holding meat cleavers. And he tells them, Hey, your boss is dead. I'm here to collect on his bounty. I have no trouble with any of you. There's a pile of New Republic credits in there that I have no right to. If you let me pass, you can all help yourself to whatever you think you deserve from your employer. And they kind of look around at each other like, sure, we hated those guys anyway. Screw it. And Mando Mando leaves. They walk in and grab the money. And we get the title for episode five, The Return of the Mandalorian. Mm
3: -hmm. And they play, you can hear Mando, the Mando flutes over the title. Um, Yeah, it's pretty... Pretty awesome and still I mean I. I still and now have now we're probably expecting
0: it. Immediately to get right back to Boba right I'm like okay cool so now we'll get right. back to Boba Fett And we'll see like why how, how Fennec links up with Mando now Or something but this is kind of like what Mando's Been up to and, and they'll But no we're, we're at this this, um, this rim city The visual I was mentioning an Incredible look As yeah, Mando's Incredible go ahead, design just like you I stopped like a few times just to kind of like gaze around. It was really cool and it's, it's like circular with like a moving shadow like the, 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 there's a shadow that's like eclipses on it as it goes around yeah. over and over and it just is like wow, something that you would see in you know really futuristic type books or or comics just really cool. Yeah. M- Mando's really favoring that leg too Matt um and, and what you what he's doing too is he'll be Limping and uh, like grunting But then as soon as he walks by people You know he straightens up He doesn't want to show anyone that he's got his weakness Or anything you know he'll kind of toughen up a little bit And we get A Two plus minute Unedited shot Of him walking through Getting in the elevators The risers walking,
3: There was no cut there?
0: All in and out No cut They Whoa. followed him all the way If you watch it back and forth It's really cool Because I was kind of uh, diving into it And looking through some recaps They think what they had done is like Followed him up into the elevator And And then they remove the background while he's up They can kind of flip it And they never have to make a cut It's like I think they said it was one of the most The longest continual unedited shots In any Star Wars That you see just following along Through a place And really really cool spot of him Just walking all the way through And and up to meet with the people who uh... So for this bounty He wasn't getting paid money It was just information that he wanted uh, Regarding the Mandalorians and the armor.
3: Yeah, no, I so I'm still kind of I, I'm usually pretty aware of, of of cuts and shots and things, but I I'm just being totally honest. It didn't dawn on me that was a continuous shot. And I think, you know, actually kind of helps explain why I felt so much atmosphere, like mm-hmm. felt it like in this place and how you know, the design was so striking. Th- there was such a strong sense of place, even the sound design as he's approaching the b- kind of bar restaurant like and you start to feel the ambiance of that crowded scene maybe it's also because i miss being around people in like <laughs> you like, like oh art. hey cool like, this is <laughs> it, you know yeah that's that's science fiction today it's like yeah uh anyway no I, um yeah i mean it, it's all for um we we don't quite get the backstory on on how what his lead was, but he's clearly looking for uh, the remnants of the covert uh, covert back from Navarro that helped him escape in season one, episode three of The Mandalorian, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's he's just trying to get him info from the, uh, the the people instead of the payment for the bounty. They uh, they uh, kind of a weird little. They want him to sit down and eat with them, but he he just business as usual. So they let him know where he can find the armorer, and we're gonna run into Poss Vizla in a mm-hmm. moment as uh, Mando walks down. Just the whole movement through this place yeah. is so cool. Like watching him walk through it, like down into it's almost like it's in like this this basement area in the bowels underneath yeah. all of the machinery. And he, he has to literally climb, like, on the outside to where he, you, you're, like, seeing space right behind him. And then he links up with the, with the armor and Paz Vizla. I just, you know, I'm repeating myself over and over, but it was a very, like, wow, um, you know, following him around through this place. You
3: know, when are we getting our armor and Paz Vizla spinoff? just right. them there like, what are their what is what are meals like there
0: well, like, I, was, I was like where do they sleep what's this like like how do they live i was so fascinated with this
3: like yeah i mean i i guess in ref, like in reflection it's like mando is going to be the third member of their covert like, um you know i i don't know i'm kind of making light of it but um they're both kind of interesting characters in their own right in the kind of mandalorian Mythology. I mean, the armor armor uh, gives us really is probably the main source of information on the Mandalorians that we have in this kind of live action universe. Uh, and then Paz Vizsla has these ties to to the Clone Wars. Um, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Pre right? Pre mm-hmm. who was uh, uh, of the same house, who battled. Darth Maul and the Clone Wars. Anyway, so the that kind of you know legacy, you know, legacy character in a way kind of comes to a head, and we'll get to it. Right? Is he, With, and he's, a, I think he's paid by,
0: uh, played by Favreau.
3: Yeah, yeah, and he voice so he voiced Pre Visla in the Clone Wars, and he voices Paz Visla here. So, um, you know, vo- voice being a patrilineal trait directly inherited.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he, um... And and so as he uh, Mando approaches the armorer and Paz Vizsla, they can tell that he's you know obviously hurt. He's limping around. So they uh, Paz Vizsla comes over and sprays a little Bacta spray on uh, on Mando to heal, help heal up his leg. There, Mandalorian Mando tells him, "Thank you for saving me on Navarro." Paz Vizsla said, uh, uh, "I never thought I would see you again. There are three of us now, and so." They, you know, they all seem pretty happy to be back together. Uh, at the, for the time being, Paz Vizsla lets them know we'll put you to work soon enough. As uh, they they start to kind of just ask some questions, the armor asked how he got the wound, and Mando shows the dark saber. And you could tell as soon as he pulls that thing out, Paz Vizsla is just like gazing, ooh, because this was something that is is in his family history. created
3: by his ancestors.
0: Right. wielded by his ancestors yeah. so he feels like he has a right to to be the one to have the dark saber and the so now we just, we just end up getting a, throughout the next you know few minutes we get a lot of exposition from the armorer she kind of explains a lot of things that have been happening maybe some history she ends up filling in a lot of the blanks and just kind of giving us like tidbits of information that we Kind of curious to, to know about what Mando's been doing Or things that have happened in their history They go on a, a At one point <clears throat> They discuss Bo-Katan For a, a little bit But first She she kind of just tries to tell him a little bit about the saber You know She, she does understand its significance And lets him know that if it's one in battle that one warrior will defeat 20, the multitudes will fall well before it. However, if it's not one in combat, if it falls into the hands of the undeserving, it will be a curse unto the nation.
3: This was, I mean, I, this is where I really was like, am I dreaming? Like, is this really happening? Because the these scenes are so, so directly related to the events of the Mandalorian that a casual viewer Will they really remember the entire? I mean, this is the kind of scene that requires a previously on the Mandalorian to 100%, 100%. remind. Hundred percent, right, hundred percent. To remind the viewer, I mean, we're a little more hardcore. I mean, we spend you know a couple hours hours every week talking about this, um, but this is explicitly addressing what was something of a plot hole at the end of season two, where. People were saying, well, can't Mando just hand Bo-Katan? can he just give it to her? Because that's what we saw happen in Star Wars Rebels, that she's essentially gifted the the Darksaber. And so here we are, episode five of the book of, of Boba Fett, that's addressing that very question. Very important plot exposition for this show? Not at all. I, it, so um, it was so interesting, you know, getting this information to be curious about this mythology that they've started building in the Mandalorian but also at the same time confused as to why I'm being told this now in episode five of the book of of Boba Fett yeah
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah they talk a little bit about the uh, the the saber a little bit more and he mentions that he's met Jedi and the armor says then you have completed your quest you may join our covert as we rebuild this is the way so they get up and they set Up the forging area for the armorer. and Paz Vizla asks a little bit about the Darksaber Mandalorian mentions That he got it off of Moff Gideon he didn't Kill him but he did send uh, he was Sent to the New Republic for interrogation Which bothers both Paz Vizla and the armorer. they seem me- Kind of bothered that Mando Didn't kill Moff Gideon uh, Right away because Lots of their their people have been killed because of Moff so Mando just says that he'll be executed for his Crimes by the New Republic Tribunal And uh, Then oh then we we he he pulls Out the Beskar spear she uh, The armor asks where did you get that he mentions That it was a gift from a Jedi and that He uses it to defeat Moff Gideon because it can block a lightsaber Now I was reading into This a little bit I think the armor He got the 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 saber from Soka, who got it in turn from someone who got it from Gr- uh, Grand Admiral the, uh, Thrawn. Right. So right. this might have been something that was a, a a a weapon that really killed a lot of Mandalor like like a very anti weapon for the Mandalorians. Thus, the armorer really wants to get this thing forged down.
3: Right. No, I. I you're right. It, it belonged to the the leader of the. Uh, shoot, I forget the name, right? The leader of that that planet where Ahsoka was hidden out, who was hunting Ahsoka, and then Ahsoka duels her. That's how how she gets the mm-hmm. uh, Veskar spear. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, no, I I think part of yeah, again, it, it's a very kind of intricate. It's very intricate into the dealings of the Mandalorian, right? It's it's explicitly linking back to things that happened in season two that. Even I, who watched season two multiple times, am like <laughs> trying to remember back exactly what happened.
0: It, um, no, it is a while ago. This is something that does yeah. feel a little out of place because like you said, there should have been maybe a a previously on where you gave us some clips of Mandalorian episodes, you, you know, just to get us ready or remind us a little bit for this as um, we then get the Bo-Katan discussion as he asks the armor if she's ever heard of Bo-Katan. And she does not like Bo-Katan. She's a cautionary tale. She once laid claim to the Mandalore rule based on blood and the sword you now possess. But it was gifted to her and not won by creed. She was born of a mighty house, but they lost sight of the way. Her rule ended in tragedy. They lost their way and we lost our world. Had our sect not been cloistered on the moon of Concordia, we would not have survived the Great Purge. So we actually get some flashbacks of the war. And explosions, fire, destruction, as the armorer says, those born of Mandalore strayed away from the path. Eventually, the Imperial interlopers destroyed all that we knew and loved in the Night of a Thousand Tears.
3: This is crucial. I mean, this is so central to the Mandalorian. They've referred to this uh, multiple times, I think, in both seasons of the Mandalorian. I mean, it's pretty central to the architecture of of kind of mandalorian you know, genocide and revival that they're building in that that show and i i was both i mean i thought it was kind of a visually stunning flashback but also and this is a i'm gonna keep harping on this i i was just come again convinced like why here now really important like, this is this is very important to mandalorian and so it it's you know, everything that's happening in this sequence from the time he meets up with the armor to the, the time he departs and is exiled again feels so specific to the events that took place in another show that have little to do with the character focus or themes of Book of Boba Fett that it then gets me wondering, what's their game? Like, why did they give this to us now? What, what do they want to do in season three where they felt we need to address all these. We need to tie together these loose ends because in season three, we want to what, right? Like, why isn't this, you know, why isn't this season three's first episode?
0: Mm -hmm. This feels like it would be a perfect kickoff episode for season three. What has Mando been doing? Here's what he's up to. And we,
3: Maybe season three is going to open, maybe Boba Fett is going to be bought, Brought back into the fold for season three. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and they're, anyway, yeah, and maybe they're we're just getting
3: way ahead of ourselves. But it, it its just, hard not
0: to. Yeah, it, yeah. So,
3: it, what's the end game? <laughs> yeah.
0: So it—it it comes time to forge something. Mm-hmm. She, uh, the armor, asked, "What shall I forge?" And he says, "Something for a foundling." A and specific foundling. Grogu. She said, "But he's no longer in your care. He's with his own kind." He said, "I want to see him. Make sure he's safe." The armorer tries to warn him though In order to master the ways of the force The Jedi must forego all attachment Which is the opposite of their creed Loyalty and solidarity So the armor asks What shall I forge for the foundling Grogu We don't see what she ends up creating It's something sort of small Possibly some kind of an armor for him But she wraps it up real little And she puts it in sort of a little uh uh, a, a little like a little rap that actually kind of looks yeah. like Grogu himself too. Yeah. And so he's got a little gift for his buddy.
2: Yeah.
3: I I mean, you know, you're brought right back into to the Mandalorian's kind of central story and it was lovely. I mean just you know I I love the kind of bigger points they wanted to make with that scene about this idea of of kind of Jedi non attachment at odds with Mandalorian solidarity, but we care so much about the Mandalorian and Grogu. And one of the big questions from season three, sorry, from season two was, will we get a season three season without Grogu? And that's still an open question, but um, wow. I mean, you know, again, there's no reason to mention Grogu in, in this show, other than to remind the audience of what brought Mando to, to Bubba in the first place. And, um, I mean, we love their bond, and I, I, it, for all my criticisms of of how not the episode, but how it fits into the story, um, I love, I love this this aspect of Star Wars, and any kind of mention of Grogu just has me completely at the edge of my seat and has my heart leaping. So.
0: You hit, you hit it the best way. It's not. Any criticism of this episode at all? It's just how it fits into this story that's being told in the book of Boba Fett. I think that's just a perfect way of saying it. Yeah. And um, so now we get the armor trying to help Mando train with the dark saber because he can't pick it up. He can barely lift it. He, you know, he he can. She, I think she says to him, "You are fighting against the blade. You Mm -hmm. should be fighting against your opponent. Stand up." And this kind of goes back to like a really old way of thinking with the lightsabers, where at the very beginning, when they were created, they were supposed to be these weapons that were kind of hard to even carry, hard to even pick up. They became really, really light and easy to to handle as you know, as they be you know we, more and more. But I think initially this is kind of a throwback to, to that also in that these are really powerful weapons. and this is a, a dark saber that can play you. As much as you can and you know you can Play it so we th- This is something that you wonder too now He is not Trained with the saber And if he wants to go find Grogu And he has this does he End up linking back up With who we saw Grogu leave with Luke and do they help <laughs> him Train with this saber I mean these are thoughts That are running in my head now it, it, Yeah
3: Um. Ah. Uh, yeah I mean, (laughs) the the end of this episode definitely leaves it open that we have Luke. I mean, it's very possible that within 48 hours, we will have another (laughs) appearance of Luke Skywalker in a Star Wars live action uh, series. But... I I'm so lukewarm on the no pun intended on the dipping back into the old trilogy characters. It's you
0: don't need them all the time. It's nice here and there, but it was a really cool sort of surprise. We weren't exactly sure that it was coming. But yeah, I'm, it's one of those things. Where I don't know how I'll feel until I see it. Right. Like, I don't right. think we need it. But then it all it all depends on how it's done. And yeah. Um, we yeah, we see Mando. He can barely hold this thing said so that it gets heavier with each move and as he's starting to sort of get the hang of it Pa Visla actually says that the dark saber belongs in someone else's hands I, it was forged by my ancestor founder of house visla and i will win it from you now so he challenges din to a duel mando versus pa visla here battling it out for the dark saber
3: Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Paz Vizsla's entrance, the line Kylo Ren has in The Force Awakens where he's like, that lightsaber, it belongs to me. It was just like Paz Vizsla, like he seems to have kind of a soft spot. I mean, ultimately, he helps. uh, He's kind of a dick is what, what i'm saying
0: 100 percent, right he helps him <laughs> but, you know, but he, he helps
3: is... he helps mando escape in navarro and they kind of have a moment where like they nod to each other as he's flying off and everything but um I, I i thought the duel was cool i thought it was shot very cool like um kind of goes back to my earlier comment about atmosphere you kind of get a nice wide shot of them on the bridge uh, there's a little bit of ceremony in, in the way that they take off their jet packs. I, you know, on my second rewatch, because I still can't get over this tension with why this episode is in the series. I wondered how cool would it have been to have a Boba Fett duel in the streets of Mos Espa, right? Where he is challenged and he has to start building his reputation on his the credibility. Streets, right. Um, you know, and so the show the show is deploying as it has in the previous episodes and, and in this episode, these Western tropes and ideas. And rather, although I really I think there's a lot to unpack in the past, uh, Paz Dinjar and duel, part of me wonders, like, could this kind of cinematic rendering of a duel have been put to service in telling Boba Fett's story, right? Um, absolutely I don't know if any of these questions are pointless I, I don't and know, if we may any know like you these said, questions,
0: in questions In two episodes we may know Or we may not Because we thought at this point When we would get to episode 5 We'd know a lot more by now right. And, we, and we, we still don't really As uh, the fight begins And Paz Vizsla does get the better of Mando Early on He ends up picking up the Darksaber But he can't wield it or maneuver it around either and so Mando ends up kind of cutting him On the back of the legs Like little gashes all over the place Kind of chops down the big tree And uh, Mando gets the battle of him uh, The better of him He has him to where the point the point where he, he could easily kill him And the armorer kind of calls for the fight to stop Yeah is, Yeah uh, Yeah, so Cool battle Cool visual yeah. And then the armorer Asks Pos Vizla if he's ever removed his helmet. Who he responds, no. Has it been removed by others? No. This is the way. She then asks Din, "Have you removed your helmet?" He doesn't answer. Technical uh, knockout.
3: Technical knock.
0: No, uh, no. He just like doesn't <laughs> want to know. He he does say that he has though, and he said that. Uh, "I beg for your forgiveness. How can I atone?" She says, "You are a Mandalorian no more." According to Creed, one can only be redeemed in the living waters beneath the mines of Mandalore. Yeah, which wouldn't there have been destroyed? There are I mean, three of you deep, left. I yeah. Think
3: you need to loosen up on Creed.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs>
3: they lost 33% of their covert. So
0: <laughs> it's like, look what the Catholic Church is doing nowadays, right? They're trying to loosen up. They know they need more people in Mandalorians. I think you guys might need to do the same thing.
3: Yeah, I. I... So the the interesting thing here, I mean, looking forward to to Mandalorian is essentially we're now getting a sense of what his mission might be, right? Or 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 we're giving Man- Mando stakes in the fate of Mando of Mandalore, which was not really central to his his motivation was always about Grogu. Bo Katan wants to get back to Mandalore. That's really not. The Mandalorian's game right and so This is helping give him more Motivation again Why is it in the
0: show I don't know um, It's great for he, the he, Mandalorian Story right it's a, no it's a totally it's Necessary episode of Of the of season Three of the Mandalorian or season two of the Mandalorian Or any like you know yeah. any story you're Telling there it just we're we're harping On it because honestly I did Like folks if you're listening I'm sure You've watched and stuff and you may have felt the Same way because I was like did they make a mistake? They didn't even have any references or mention anything about Boba yeah. or Fennec or anyone until towards the end. And yeah. uh, we got Dick Posvisla who's like, leave, apostate. And he's like, dude, you just kicked your ass, man. I would shut up if I were you. Like, yeah, you know, uh, you're on the floor here. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs>
3: I I mean, so they, they, they lay out a path for redemption. Uh, there was an earlier line by the armorer I don't know if you, you noted this. And I'll I'll quote it here. This is in her kind of Darksaber lore data dump where she says, the songs of Eon's past, foretold of the Mythosaur, rising up to herald the new age of Mandalore. Sadly, it only exists in legends. What did that I mean, that barely had anything to do with what she was even talking about at the time. <laughs> so it kind of makes me think like, you know, this line about redeeming in the living waters between the minds of Mandalore, this idea of a, a mythosaur rising up. I think we're getting clues here into what we might see in season three, right? Are we mm-hmm. going to see Bubba on a Rancor in two episodes? I'll bet. Yep. I mean yeah. I'll bet my savings on that. I shouldn't say that on air. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's it can happen. Uh, will we be seeing, you know, Mando on a Mythosaur in season 3? It three? feels
0: inevitable now.
3: Feels it feels likely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's I'm glad you you brought that one up and uh yeah, it, wasn't there even the Boba rode the Mythosaur in the holiday special too? I think with I, I, I think, think with
3: some other di- I mean maybe it's the Mythosaur. But yeah, Boba rode Rode this this,
0: this large huge beast. beast. So yeah, there was right. a lot of rich dialogue just right deep into Star Wars text, getting deep into the uh the, the Mandalorian history. And we talked about world building, they continue to really shape this this world and this uh yeah and this this history and their backstory as we <laughs> we well, then
3: would get be to- great, right? You know, now that we've gotten all this backstory on, on Mandalorian uh mytho history you know, it'd be great to learn more about public transportation in, in the galaxy. So right, you know, I was gonna say we get, yes. <laughs> we, get, <laughs> we get on the
0: commercial flight here. we get on the commercial freaking flight, which is this is like, I was like, am I on Star Tours here? It, like it felt wasn't it, it
3: the droid from Star Tours?
0: Yeah, it felt yeah. exactly like when you're when you're on Star Tours too. Like when you you're standing in line and Mando um has to empty all of his weapons. And so there's this yeah. funny scene of him like taking out every one of his like weapons all the way down, and he has to leave the dark saber in like baggage check, I, on commercial flight. <laughs> I was
3: so nerd. I, you know, my mind was 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 running like it is this the rest of the episode going to be about him losing the dark saber? Yeah, I couldn't believe he checked in the dark saber. I could I mean, not. It's either. funny now in retrospect as a joke. But at the time, I thought, oh, my God, he's going to lose the fucking Darksaber.
0: <laughs> and we're going to be following. I guess, like, there's no way he did this. Yeah. There's no way he's doing this. Yeah. And sure enough, he he was it it worked out. It worked out OK. But while he's on the flight, he sees right in front of him this green little Rodian, mm-hmm. a little bit like child who's kind of making faces at him and stuff and. It just obviously reminds Mando of Grogu, so he pulls out the the, the little um, aren't, what had what been shield. Yeah, it. the little bundle, and and he's kind of staring at it, and 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 at that moment, you actually hear the Grogu little mm. kind of flute theme that, that they played time. for Grogu when when he actually had been when we first heard Grogu's name being my name mentioned. And they played it. I think when uh, when Ahsoka Tano was out there by the uh, by the fire. So yeah, they just they do a lot of really cool stuff. And you could see he is totally missing his body, man.
3: Yeah. No. I and I love like I didn't notice. It wasn't until this shot of the bundle where I was like, oh my god, that's shaped as Grogu. Though rewatching the episode, you clearly get a good shot of the, you know, the way it's tied together to have these these long ears and everything um yeah i mean you know it was uh it's it's interesting because he's on public transportation (laughs) and again this is still you know we we've just been had 25 minutes tying up loose ends from mando season two very interesting stuff and now we're going to tie up another loose end right it's why is he on public transportation because his ship was blown up in episode seven, eight—I don't know—remember of uh of season two. So, um, we get he, if, if, a nod to, to Grogu. We get that kind of emotional beat, uh, but then we are on to a pretty um kind of a work-related task. Yeah, <laughs> Getting the yeah. Vehicle.
0: yeah, more of this whole like uh Lucas working on you know in the garage working on the car yeah. stuff that he always loves throwing in. So we actually see Mando going to meet with Peli Mato, And as he shows up, Peli Mato and the droids are like trying to get this womp rat out. It's like chasing them all around. And the droids uh, just kind of this funny comic scene where Mando has to come in and and he helps Peli kind of saves, uh, saves the day by uh, by shooting the womp rat. And I mean, she is so funny over the next few minutes. She just does not stop talking. The entire time they're putting stuff together, they're building. She just won't shut up. She's like running down the droid. She just is over like talking, 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 just nonstop. Uh, she, she's got a new ship for the Mando. It's not the Razor Crest though. This is. It's better a, than the
3: Razor Crest, you know. The N
0: one. Starfighter. Starfighter, and this was the one handmade for the Royal Guard, commissioned personally by the Queen of Naboo. In Mando's like, where's the Razor Crest? She's like no this, this is what you want And he's not really interested But she's giving him the hard sell She's like hey look if you don't want it that's fine We'll go give you your money back But can I just tell you a little something She says I know it doesn't look like much But um, I haven't had the chance to fix it yet You can see that I got all the parts And then she just starts going through what this thing can do said, uh said I found all the parts way from way back in the Galactic Republic These are all handmade No droids and I'm going to do custom modifications that are going to make her faster than a father and uh did I mention she could jump into hyperspace with no docking ring and man oh, I'm telling you you got to believe she's just giving him the hard sell here yeah. on this thing and she says look if you help me we can put it together quick at least let's put it together and then decide if you want it or not yeah and he agrees she says okay this wasn't what I was expecting or wanting but let's let's put it together let's see and so the next little bit we get we just get the two of them and all the droids really kind of putting this thing together
3: yeah i you know when we talked about chapter three i was critical with this whole let's play with our toys approach and you know one friend brings over his rancor toy and other has some hut models and blah 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 and my hypocrisy my like kind of the hypocrite in me is that I don't like the let's play with our toys approach until it's my toys. And (laughs) now now there's an N1 starfighter and I'm like, wow, what, you know, um, I mean, it's, it's an awesome design. I I like the kind of nod to the fact he had a pre empire ship before this Mm -hmm. one's also pre empire. Uh, He's kind of solo now. Um, uh, You know, I mean, it, it is indulgent at a basic level. Right, we we spend essentially twenty five minutes on the story of how he gets his new ship. Like it's, um, a bit indulgent, but it's it's a pretty joyful. It is twenty five minutes.
0: Yeah, and that's <laughs> the thing too. Like the dynamic in it's. I don't want to be hard on on like Boba in that like the two main characters in the Bo- book of Boba Fett. Of Boba and Fennec I think are both Very interesting kind of fascinating characters But they're both the 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 straight drier Character right They're they're not any there's not a whole lot of life with, With them they're not really flashy They're not really funny they're usually The ones that would be partnered With a little bit more Outgoing charismatic flamboyant Type person and so it, the dynamic with Peli Motto and Mando and Peli and the and the droids—it's like, it, just kind of funny. It's kind of cute. Yeah. You know, you laugh at a lot of the things that are going on. She, she starts. Ta- then the Jawas show up, and she starts talking about how she dated a Jawa and it was just like this. It's so stupid, but it was like so funny because then the one Jawa like says something to her, and she's like. I uh, know, you know. I'm I, I'm I'm working on myself right now. You know, I'm trying to <laughs> just. It's like yeah. now I want the backstory of Pelimato dating these Jawas, and like I want to see this like how like what happened there in this relationship. But it's nothing <laughs> incredible, but it's just it's kind of fun. The whole like yeah. the sequence is very fun.
3: And you know, I, I didn't. I'm thinking about it now in retrospect, but watching this episode, you've got this pretty serious, you know first half dealing with the history of mandalore and the kind of stakes looking toward the future and then the second half is such a shift in tone but i didn't think it wasn't jarring to me watching um maybe because we've just we've learned we've been with this character in Mm -hmm. in both kind of frivolous funny scenes and in 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 deathly serious scenes before so
0: come contrast this to either the fight with the Darksaber and Paz Visla a moment before and the armorer and the whole tone of that scene is so mm-hmm. serious with yeah. the armor. With like just yeah. the armorer is such a serious character. And then the opening scene where he's just cutting people in half in this meat packing plant.
3: Right. And, then, yeah.
0: and now we're just laughing at the at the droids like playing around and you know and working on the cars here. And uh, he he's pretty fascinated that the Jawas can just get whatever you want. There's actually, they show up with something that you may have, re- we may have recognized uh, from yeah, Star yeah, Wars, yeah. from the, the trash compactor. I think it's the same exact thing that Han Solo uses in the it, trash compactor.
3: It's a cryogenic density, uh, combustion booster. Gina, yep. So. Yep. I, I didn't know. I I saw that mentioned online. I, I wouldn't have known that.
0: Me neither. I would definitely not have been able to pull that one out myself either, but <laughs> did, uh, did find that. And the so the Jawas get uh help Mando now he ends up kind of making a list of some things that he wants, and they go and find him and uh so Mando asks for uh, a few different things and <laughs> that's when Pelly kind of jokes about uh about how she used to date a Jawad, and one of them it seems like sort of asks her out on a date, <laughs> no, I'm working on me right now, just go find the parts as uh she just is just talking and talking as they're working Ah, uh, smaller. No, the one with the hole and the curves that way. I think I saw this once before. There you go. Just talking through the whole process all the way through is, uh, you know, Mando will kind of find some issues or some things to work on here and there, but for all of her faults and for as crazy as she is, she seems to be a pretty fantastic mechanic.
3: Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's an interesting, I did not think we were going to get more than that brief Glimpse of Pellimato that we had in chapter three. I mean, she's in the background when Boba Fett is is uh, riding into Mos Eisley on a Bantha. Um, she's, I mean, for lack of a better word, pretty corny, but so consistent that it works. Like it, there's kind of something. Her sense of humor kind of feels like something that would come out of George Lucas. Like there's something. It does. Like Authentic. Authentic and just consistent and fully realized about her character. Mm-hmm. Where at first I, I remember when we were introduced to her in Mandalorian, it was a bit jarring, like her accent, her shtick. Um but but it's really fleshed out, it's wonderfully performed and written. Um and yeah, it just it was a great, great reunion. Um I'm not Okay, I can't help it. I can't help but say, why is it in the show? But it was still a great...
0: It creep. is. No, I know. This just feels like a total episode two or episode one. And then of The Mandalorian, season three, they're starting to build all the... Take the checklist off. Like, let's... What what is his purpose going to be throughout this? Okay, he wants to, you know, um, he wants to... Make right for what he did wrong He wants to visit Grogu He needs to get a ship Like now we know but These things just don't have anything to do really With Boba Fett Other than that We know he needs a little bit of muscle That, Like we said We we could have seen None of this here All of this in The Mandalorian And maybe had a six episode Boba Fett Or another episode of Boba Fett Where we flesh out a little bit more Of what's going on with, with him Hopefully we'll get some just incredible Episode six and seven Where we're not yeah you know, asking these questions why. But um yeah, Pelly is just navigating through everything, talking to the droids, Mandalorians asking where things go, and he's now getting along pretty well with the droids himself. As uh you know, Pelly says, You want to thank me now or you want to thank me later? And he says, if you give it a razor crest, I'll give this right back to you. And she says, Ah, these are way harder to, to plain old razor crest, razor crest. So the Jawas come back pretty quickly with Mando's parts, and he's excited. He actually gives him a little extra tip, and she <laughs> says, "Hey, don't don't make me look bad. I mean, this is all just really like low level type stuff here. You know, they, we spend a ton of time yeah. with them, like you said, just building building the ship, putting everything together here. As uh, they finish up, there's one key thing missing that man that Mando asks about. He says, "What happened to the droid port?". Mm is uh it looks like it would you know it, it would be a perfect little spot for for grogu yeah for his, <laughs> for his buddy you know but it's, it's not there anymore pelly took it out she said i figured with your disposition you'd want to forgo you'd want to forego and um so oh, the right. ship looks ready
3: I, right in his whole distrust of droids i which sort of you know he had some change of heart with the ig uh model in season one but right right um i i kind of that that reference i flew over my head initially but i think it's his in general he has a distrust of droids and mm-hmm. you're right um in the probability like you know mando writing a mythosaur <laughs> odds and then the Grogu with his face squeezed against the glass port of the Oh yeah. And one
0: Starfighter. <laughs> yeah, because that was that is the, the difference, right? As as badass as this Starfighter is, and as we see when he takes it up in just a second, how fast it is, how like how this thing is able to corner compared to the Razor Quest. Like the Razor Quest was his home. Mm-hmm. Like he like lived on that ship. He had people on there with him This is that's not something he can do with this new ship.
3: Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, from a plot perspective, right? You know, I mean, a ship serves a purpose in a show to move a character from A to B. It also provided, as you were saying, like the environment for a lot of the scenes in in The Mandalorian. And so deciding for Mando's ship to be an N1 starfighter, it's kind of a doesn't put the storytelling in a straitjacket by any means, but you know, you don't have that kind of flexibility in in writing a scene that is occurring, you know, when Mando leaves a cockpit to go to the bunk or whatever. Right. Um, as much as I love the choice from a design perspective, from a nostalgia perspective, it is kind of interesting because they're foregoing the kind of Millennium Falcon vibe of having a a kind of sh- a lived in ship. Right. A livable ship.
0: So he takes this thing up And it takes him a few seconds Just to kind of figure out the controls And once she tells him Hey, let this thing loose He is loving it I mean, he is It's so cool We get this really nostalgic feel Because he's flying all over Beggar's Canyon Where we saw the pod race With Anakin Where Anakin Or where Luke Skywalker Talks about shooting womp rats In, uh so this this place that's been referenced before that we've seen before and I'm kind of getting these like Anakin going up and over flashbacks and Mando is like loving this thing he even gives a little dank ferric you know and then he says uh smooth as a gonk scomp jack <laughs> <laughs> I I
3: haven't fully parsed that one but yeah. um, so this was, it was cool it, like, was, it was it was I think I used this word already it was joyous I mean it's sometimes a show can have a sequence that isn't about you know moving the plot from point A to point B it's simply just to create a sense of exhilaration in the audience and in the character right and we are experiencing it with Din Djerin. uh we are also remembering kind of the the sensation we're kind of remembering where we have seen this starfighter before. We're remembering the the people and ships that we've seen fly through this same airspace in previous Star Wars episodes. Um, just a really cool uh, sequence. And I loved it. And I mean, this is part of my, uh, you know, reptilian brain attachment to this show is that it just it takes me to these environments and uh, sensations that are tied to the prequels, um, which are really, you know, central to my Star Wars fandom and, and something that I Me think too. Dave yeah. Filoni and, and John Favreau too, for sure. But Dave Filoni has always embraced the prequels in his storytelling and almost found ways to make the prequels more palatable for a broader audience. <laughs> it was one way to kind of, uh, characterize Dave Filoni's contribution of the Star Wars mythology. So, again, like, it's not not really moving the plot. Um, it, it's a pretty random focus for half of an episode, right? Repairing a ship and and test flying it. Uh, but it was joyous and exhilarating. And I loved it.
0: And so he once he starts to let this thing loose, like anybody does with the with their new car, they want to see how fast this thing can go. So he's flying around all over the place and he he actually is up um kind of out in the sort of the outskirts and now into into space again, and he ends up seeing that green Rhodian child once again. Uh, kind of another nod to maybe letting us know that he, he Grogu's on the way, or we're gonna end up seeing Grogu at some point, and that's what that's what uh, Mando wants to do next. But he gets pulled over for speeding, <laughs> and, and um, <laughs> it's the New Republic pilots here. Now, this is why I uh, you have referenced it, and I'm I never ever look into spoilers at all. Never my, myself. I'm just not into them. I like being surprised. I would. Way rather, even if I like can sense that I'm about to read into a spoiler on something, I generally just kind of stop. Like I'd I'd much rather be surprised. But the the guy who plays one of these new Republic pilots is the guy who actually plays Luke Skywalker in the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. and not just not the CGI of the of the face of, right. of you know Mark Hamill. So you, we'd imagine with him showing back up in here that we probably do get Luke showing back up somewhere in one huh. of the next couple episodes.
3: I knew, so I knew it was the kind of stand-in, well, performer for for Luke or body double, however you want to characterize it. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? Like, we he, don't know, and it he's could it at could not be Manhattan it... Beach Studios. Like, he's yeah, they're filming other scenes. He's gonna get a cameo. Um, mm-hmm. You're right. I mean, that that's you know, I, I guess I kind of took it as like, hey, here's your. Here's your cameo because, <laughs> he,
2: yeah. here,
3: Now the audience gets to see your face here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're totally right, though. Um, I don't think what you're saying is a spoiler, I, but it no. is pretty informed speculation. Yeah, so. that's
0: all. Exactly. It's it's just yeah. it's and it's nothing that I know for sure. It's just knowing that this is the person who played it. I would I would imagine just like you said, thinking logistics in my head, kind of playing it out, mapping it out, wondering if this is a little bit of a tease for some of us who who would know that. Yeah. as uh <laughs> you know you know what i
3: really liked about this and this is again my kind of prequel allegiance coming out is that the kind of the normcore cops pulling over you know the the speed racer it's the x-wings from the old trilogy are now yes. like the establishment yes yes and one starfighter from this like <laughs> you know royal navy essentially is the the rebellious team the, 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 the
0: bad, bad guy?
3: better word yeah, here? Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was just an <laughs> interesting visual of like the old trilogy design with the new trilogy design um, that puts you know the audience is naturally sympathetic to to Din Uh We are obviously having a lot of fun as he's on this this uh, uh, fast and furious uh, fly through. Uh, Tatooine airspace, and then the people who pull them over and put an end to the fun are the uh, the uh, old trilogy stand stand-ins. Anyway, that's my psychoanalysis of
0: that. This is great. It's, it's, it's a, the dynamic shift that we see here. As uh, sorry, officer, I got a little carried away there. Um, they tell him you're also operating without a beacon, which is one thing that Pally let us know about this new ship too. It's off the grid, which is nice. Like you, you know, you're not being yeah. tracked here. So the the pilots and the officers, they're like, hey, they're asking some questions. Hey, it doesn't quite add up. Uh, you know, hmm, we're looking at your registration. It seems like they're kind of playing the good cop, bad cop thing. And the one of them is about to let uh to let Mando go, but he recognizes his voice and yeah. he says, Hey, uh y- did you used to fly a razor crest? And he goes, I think you I think you might have the wrong guy, officer. and he said the ship showed up on a transponder back in Navarro on a big incident involving imperial remnants, and he said, uh I, you know I'm just connecting some dots. You mind answering a few questions, and then Mando just clicks and just flies off. <laughs> He's just like, "I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> nope. That was one of the benefits of the some of the uh, the special features that Telemato put on this uh, on this ship. He didn't even have to jump," the officer said. "Those were his sublight thrusters." There's no trace of him on our sensors. The one cop says, uh, "We're gonna report this." It's like, (laughs) "You want to go back to the base and fill out reports all day?" Hell no! Like, nope. Let's just let this go. Yeah, I I
3: mean, it. it, The whole scene plays for comedy. It's interesting that they do bring up that. uh, Essentially, the the reference to the Imperial remnants are that station on navarro where or something like a cloning facility right from season 2 in mandalorian where we learn more or we get more clues into the empire's uh post collapse plans which will probably feed into the resurrection of palpatine i'm getting way ahead of myself
1: the point but is i thought into. it was interesting yeah. that
3: they're they're kind of referencing what is a Subplot of the Mandalorian, which is what is the Empire up to in this post Imperial era? And for the the cop, I forget his name because he's appeared now in multiple Mandalorian episodes, the cop slash new republic officer, to bring that up again makes me think or er, or er, is a little gesture toward what some of the issues that season three may tackle.
0: And these these are guys who I, we probably see show up in. They were supposed to be that show. Rangers that, of
3: the New Republic.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there's a couple projects that that are going to be coming really soon. So I think a lot of these characters we will end up seeing as uh, we pick back up with Mando and he, he heads back down to uh, to Pellys and I love the reference here. She asks, "How was it?" and he says, "Wizard."
3: I I laugh. <laughs> I mean. I can't really even recreate the, the,
0: the shiver
3: and laughter that coursed through my body.
0: When it's I so cool word. when Mando, like, <laughs> you know, because he comes off like such a tough guy. He's a bounty hunter. And, you know, we see the scene of him with the meat pack and he's killing all these guys. He's got all the weapons. But when he lets his guard down for these moments yeah. when he's like. Wow like well, you know or like even the stuff with Grogu that's what makes him such a compelling character is that yeah. he has so many layers to him he's like he says something like wizard you know and it's like oh man it gave me just kind of goosebumps when he said it it, it was
3: yeah it's kind of an audience troll too who, yeah who, you know Jake Lloyd is was so derided his performance uh the writing for the character Um, But with time, you know, these the kid, the kids who love the prequels are now adults. I mean, two of them are talking on this podcast right now. So, uh, you know, I I, I love I kind of love those nods. But I'm obviously and I'm being very clear. There's there's I'm a little bit of a hypocrite, right? <laughs> it's, it's yeah. The Not the nods that are nodding toward what's important to me to or <laughs> what matters to me. Those are the nods you want. <laughs> right. It plays different. Like when two huts are bringing a rancor, like, you know, to gift to Boba Fett with no real rationale. I mean, that's where I'm like, eh, what, what is okay. this show doing? I mean, cool. but see, that, that to me is moving plot. Whereas, this story, I mean, there is some plot mechanics here, but it's also about a kind of a feeling and an experience that the character and the audience share, mm-hmm. which is a little different than being told why Boba Fett is going to get a raincore as, you know, an apology. Like as we, a, we
0: were basically sitting back with Anakin Skywalker right here, flying through Beggar's Canyon again, you know? Right. Like, that's where they were putting us back. And so I'm very much with you in that... It, it did this part of the episode didn't feel like it was moving all that much forward plot wise but it was just fun yeah it was fun and yeah. we uh we have pelly who says hey by the way an old friend of yours dropped by she said she was looking for you don't worry i told her uh I, I told her i don't know where you are and then i kicked her out and engaged the hangar security system and he said did she tell you her name and there's Fennec in the background. She says Fennec, which is just great. And then Pelly's all pissed off at the droid, or at the uh, at the droid. She's like, "Hey, what's going on? I thought you said the hangar system was like just the yeah. dynamic between." And you just hear the droids kind of beeping back at her, like, ber, 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 and, like talking yeah. back. I just really great back and forth there. As um, Fennec asks Mando if he's looking for any work, he said could be. And uh, he asked what the bounty is. He Said no bounty. We need muscle. And he says, for Boba Fett, uh, Fennec said he sure would appreciate it. Mando ends up giving the money back and says, it's on the house. But first, I got to pay a little visit to my friend. Or I got to pay a a visit to a little friend. So,
3: are we going to see Grogu in episode six? I have to think, yes. I do too. So, you know, I guess, is there a way where the next episode alludes to a visit that happened that we then see in Mandalorian in Mando, but that doesn't, that seems a little heady for this show. I mean, um, clearly the show is operating under the assumption that the audience watches both of these. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) they could definitely not show it to us now. And instead give us an episode in the Mandalorian that takes place between Episode five and six of the book of Boba Fett. Right. Um, but I mean, anything's possible. I never thought we were going to get season full, three. Episode after one. After what <laughs> we just
0: saw right now, right now. If you would have so, asked me two weeks ago, I would have said, nah, I mean, we'll get the Mando showing up, you know, maybe to help out. But I would have said that'll probably be. But I am now. I mean, Grogu, Luke. I think that's all on the table now in the next few weeks.
3: Right. And let, so let's think about this rationally. Um, you mentioned, right, the the actor who's playing one of the X-Wing pilots is also the the actor, perform- the body double or actor performing Luke Skywalker. Luke, okay, so I don't think I, w- I mean, I both want to see Grogu in the next episode and I don't, right? I, I don't want to see him because I, want the show to tell its own story and maybe it, it has its own designs. But Luke did grow up on Tatooine. So, so a conversation between Din Jaren, or Boba and Luke, there's a lot of gaps to fill in there. But imagine that Boba accompanies Din Jaren to go see Grogu. And so Din Jaren's having his moment with Grogu and Boba Fett's like, what's up, Luke? Sorry about everything that went down in the barge, but Luke is also potentially knowledgeable about aspects of crime on tatooine, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so there is a an entryway where Luke is not only a kind of you know Luke made sense in the Mandalorian right mm-hmm. I think we've we agreed on that we've talked about that where Luke would quote make sense here is as you know providing insight into some of the things that Boba Fett is dealing with. Yep. Again, there's so many other ways that can be told. And it's not like Luke was running around with gangs when he lived on Tatooine. So that's still even, even that is a stretch that he has much to share on the kind of criminal underworld and Tatooine, but that may be the, that could be the, the tie basis for integration. Yeah.
0: But. Yeah. And, and then I'm wondering in my head too, you get if if there's any way where we get from Ahsoka to Luke to then it's like the whole Anakin tie-in there mm-hmm. with Ahsoka. That would you be I
3: think we could get Ahsoka and then. I don't think episode? we could in
0: this in this series, but yeah. I'm in my head I'm wondering and I'm kind of playing it out to where, okay, that's sort of fun to think about if they cross paths. Now all these because like in like we're playing it out. Like I didn't think we were gonna see Luke at the end of last season it made sense But n- and now I didn't think we were going to get An opportunity to even see him in this series But it feels like that's a high possibility I, I'm I'm doing like, I'm doing I'm getting ahead of myself again But in my head I'm playing it out like how cool that Would be and what they could kind of talk About about Anakin like,
3: Yeah Ahsoka like, and Luke would be a Huge payoff To years of Star Wars storytelling Right incredible um, it, and now it, it Doesn't seem that far off from happening Right, and I, I think that I, I think that will happen in I would, her
0: show probably
3: in her show probably. I think it will be earned. The kind of Luke and Boba Fett reunion—they they were quite careful in the finale that Boba Fett leaves before Luke shows up. Right? That seemed really mm-hmm. deli- in the sorry Mando season two finale. Yep. Boba Fett is involved in that final mission. He leaves. And before Luke shows up, because, you know, I don't know, Boba Fett has complicated feelings toward the Jedi or, sure. or or should, uh, Boba Fett was essentially an antagonist with Luke, you know, in Return of the Jedi. Um, it feels like a lot to bring Luke and Boba Fett together for a scene or two, um, I can't believe we would spend an episode on whatever planet Luke is on with Grogu, but I also can't believe we had a whole episode Mando is,
2: episode. Is episode
3: five. So I just, you know, we, we recapped chapter three and I was, I was confused then about where it was going. I never foresaw what would happen two episodes later. Um maybe, Maybe I've just totally misjudged this show. And this show is actually about building a larger story in this era. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe not just about Tatooine. Maybe that was a weird, uh, not trapdoor, but kind of a, a hook. I'm sure yeah. it's going to come back to Tatooine. And it has to come back to the Tuscans at some level. But um, anything's on the table now. And, and And the last line of this episode... The fact that Dave Filoni, I think, co-wrote the next episode and maybe directing it—that's um, a Wikipedia. I don't know if that's really a spoiler so much as like a kind of news scoop. Um, I, I think we'll, I think we'll see Grogu. I don't think I do they have that last line. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm still stupefied. Why, by why are they paying off? Like these are things that we would have. We would have had conversations about week in, week out for eight weeks in season three. They could have held back Grogu for for five, six mm-hmm. weeks in in Mandalorian season three. And we would be chomping at the bit. Are they really going to bring him back in, in episode six? I'm I just I don't I don't grasp the design and and I want there to be design. I don't want it to just be fan service and pleasure. Of course, I want to spend time with Grogu. Of course
0: <laughs> but, we, but we we Fell in love with him and the yeah. whole character Because of, of a good story as it was It wasn't just popping this cute Little green guy up on the thing it was because of the The connection that he had with Ma- With Mando that right. we That we became you know infatuated With with that whole um, dyna- uh, Yeah with that whole Relationship and he, he Said now we just moving forward we're recording this Monday, Monday evening About 24 hours away from when the next episode Is going to come out And like, everything feels like it's on the table right mm-hmm. now And it it does feel It is going to feel weird after this To just kind of shift right back to Tatooine If that's where we're headed Or do we pick up with the Mando Going to, like you said it, Going to see Grogu Does he go with Fennec? Does Fennec go with him? Did they go back and does Boba travel along with them also? Mm-hmm. Lots of questions and we will answer them all for you right here next week with Matt Velasco. Before we get out of here any uh, final thoughts Matt?
3: Um I think I texted you after episode 5. I'm so happy and confused.
0: Yep, <laughs> so, same thing. Uh, same thing. It's
3: it's a strange feeling. Um I still I still have that feeling. Um and uh I, I can't wait for Wednesday
0: and I can't wait to talk it all out with you again next week here. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll have our, uh, our, our therapy air it out session right afterwards and, uh, and, and be able to, uh, get, get all of our, uh, our thoughts and the feels out there on episode six of the book of Boba Fett. We'll have for you next week on that's what G said, Matt, thank you so much, buddy. I really appreciate it. And, uh, looking forward to, uh, to chat another last two episodes of the series with you. Definitely. Take care Gino. Do not go anywhere, folks. Still plenty more on this episode. That's what G said. And that's going to do it for this episode. Really excited about what's coming forward in the next few with the book of Boba Fett. Where are we headed? What's going on? Matt and I will, uh, will let you know next week. Eric will be back again with us to uh, preview the Super Bowl next week. We'll probably talk a little like a fantasy recap, maybe early next week too one of the one of the two, either early, late this uh, this weekend or uh, uh, next week. And then. On the next episode, in just a few days, we are going to have so much racing for you. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, racing from all over the place. Sam Houston, Santa Anita, Gulfstream Park. There are stakes at Aqueduct and Tampa that we're going to look at. Sunday's got a good Santa Anita card that's uh, that's slated to head. So thanks for joining us again. Lots coming up this week. Hopefully everyone has a, a very nice middle of your week, and we'll talk to you real soon.